Welcome to Cancelled. Uh, we're back. I know we had a little week off there. Shit got a little hectic, but we are back starting the run of Erie, Indiana. I may have... Okay, I might have bit off more. We'll get into it in a minute. Uh, uh, we are recording this in the green room of the prestigious Cap City Comedy Club here in Austin, Texas. With me for the duration, Karina Magyar. Say hi, Karina. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I just noticed in the men's room there's a sign over the urinal for a matchmaking company i won't say the name of it because it's clearly a sponsor of the club but <laughs> it, it says like uh you accept like the premier matchmaking service for exceptional single men and i can't help but think like if you're an exceptional man yes you probably don't need help from a sign above a urinal finding you know what i mean like i don't know how exceptional you are if you're like oh this poster while, I, while my dick is in my hand it's got to have all the <laughs> all the secrets uh how, how are you? i'm sorry i just i literally just peed how are you no, doing that's okay i'm doing great i was just trying to remember what's on the wall in the women's restroom i think it's i think it's just a sign that says men are everywhere everywhere yeah. <laughs> I, I, am i right you know yeah, that makes sense <laughs> yeah it's like have at it ladies yeah, just, just well, <laughs> try not to be overwhelmed i was on the way here i mm-hmm. th- i missed my bus i took an uber up and my uber driver when i got in was like i had the radio on i had headphones in i'm very much a don't uh, yeah uh, sit in the back seat please don't talk let's just do this like mm-hmm. cab drivers like i know you're not you think you're better than cab drivers because you're white and you drive a fucking <laughs> chevy bolt or whatever but yeah. i don't care you're just a cab driver to me mm-hmm. so shut up and let me take this cab ride but again and he has radio on and he's like uh hey do you mind if I, you mind something political because he had like talk radio on or whatever and right. i was like i don't give a shit i have my headphones in do what you're doing but i got a minute i was like all right i gotta figure out what his bed because it's getting loud. Mm. And I take out my earphone and there's Alex Jones on the radio. Uh, yeah, and I was like, "Can you mind changing this?" <laughs> do you think it was getting loud because it's Alex Jones and he has a lot of volume, or do you think the the Uber driver was slowly cranking that up, <laughs> trying, to, trying to get it through my headphones? Yes, it might be. It might have been like an info war that you yeah. guys were having. <laughs> I feel like that is like those people are trying to spread a message, mm-hmm. and that message is that we're like we don't read. There is. <laughs> we only read on the internet, and it's only if your if your website has like green font on a black background. <laughs> And, like, MySpace-level graphics on the side of, like, two dolphins, because dolphins are special creatures or whatever. Yes. I only bookmark websites that were designed by former X-Files fan club people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's like an old news group. It's just yes. like... Yes. It's just RSVW. That's uh, Rex Sports Pro Wrestling. That's how, right. what a nerd I was, because that's it's what I used to be. still in. part of a web ring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I forgot about web rings. Uh, how could uh, you forget about web I feel rings? like that might come up. I feel like there might be an episode of Erie, indiana about <laughs> web rings an evil web ring because this show uh we might as well get into it yeah is is like super 90s um yes. well it's, it's funny because it's only 91 it's early so it's, 90s it's not deep like it hasn't mm-hmm. gotten into 90s culture it's still kind of bordering 80s it's a weird thing that like doesn't exist anymore right which is a kid's show when you watch it, you might think, oh, this is like a syndicated show, like uh, the girl who could freeze time was out of this world, oh, yeah. or mm-hmm. My Secret Identity, or any of those like weird syndicated shows. Mm-hmm. This was NBC primetime television. That's right. It's where it started. This was promoted heavily. Like That's how I found out about it, and I was, I was right in there. Oh, I was right in their wheelhouse. And, how old are you? Uh, I was. Let's How see. old are you now? Do you, I, I, that a... That's okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. 
You don't have to say. I, I forgot. I'm 30. <laughs> I'm, 30 I'm 38 years I'm old. I'm 37. Fair enough. And I will be so, 38 soon. So, right. so I'm right in that. Yes. That I, I was 13 maybe yeah. when this was on. So they like, nailed me. And yeah. they and they had me at, at Gremlins was my favorite movie growing up. Sure. Joe Watched Dutton. it like a hundred times. Sure. And then they were just like from the director of Gremlins. This new series is coming out, and when I was I was hooked. I was instantly hooked. And it had that, what made it 90s as opposed to 80s, because it looks 80s. It looks like it's on an 80s budget. It looks like it's filmed with 80s technology. Sure. What made it 90s was just the poochiness of it. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, very like much. Like the, the, the hard push on radical shit. Yeah, know? yeah. It's yeah. super radical. Uh, yeah. There's a ep- like, we'll get into the episode, but one of these heavily features a pair of sneakers oh. called like the Skywalkers or something. Yes. That are like... And they have like it, it has catchphrases yes. for an imaginary sneaker brand that everyone knows. It's very anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, we will get into that episode heavily. I can't there, well, talk for about sure. That, <laughs> um, that yeah. But yeah. okay. Well, we'll start. We'll okay. start at the beginning. But but more about just sort of what this show is. So if you yeah. haven't watched, and please stop listening to this right now and go watch this show. Uh, I kind of love it, even though some of this like. I feel like two out of these first three are solid. One in mm-hmm. the middle, a little less so. Mm-hmm. Um. Please go and watch this show. I think it's interesting enough that it deserves people to watch it. And, and it's you know, short. And you're not going to get shit out of me, uh, out of the show, without having seen what we're talking about. Because you're not going to believe it. It doesn't make any sense. No. You're not going to go, oh, what, what do you mean? The, the, the pilot episode of this show is about people who put their children in giant Tupperware containers so they never age? That doesn't sound like a real thing. That is 100% a real thing. Mm-hmm. But it has a thing that like I love in kids' shows or kids' movies or kids' anything that just doesn't exist anywhere. It was like in the Goonies, mm-hmm. Monster Squad, mm-hmm. shit like that, where there are stakes for these kids. Yes. Children will die in this show. Uh, episode two, by the way, which we will get to. This is like, they don't, I feel like there isn't a thing now for kids where like, there's any real fear of horrificness happening. Oh, that's not true, because I did, I watched a, I watched a little kid show on yeah. Amazon called, uh-huh. uh, What's it called? It's like magic. Co- it's about a magic cookbook. I can't remember the name. It was called. Oh, just add magic is the name of the show. Okay, and it's about three little girls who find this magical cookbook, and there's a bunch of crazy shit going on. Uh, it's a hundred percent a show for fucking twelve year old girls, <laughs> and I have a hundred percent watched every episode of it. You should watch it. It's pretty fun. But that okay. being said, mm. there isn't a lot of that. There isn't a thing where like kids are genuinely in fear anymore. Um, I would say I don't know if it's. I think it's still aimed at this demo, like ten to thirteen to fourteen. I would say that's the entire appeal of the Hunger Games and Harry Potter. Ah, is like yeah, the but danger I feel like element for sure. Yeah, but you're right that the main protagonists still feel like hero exemptioned in a way that in this show, hundred yeah, they're honestly, just, you, they're just kids. They're they just could, there's nothing special about these kids. They're yeah. not. They don't. They're not the chosen one. They don't have no. whatever. They're just kid that got stuck in a weird town <laughs> and now he has to deal with this shit. Uh, and I feel like Hunger Games is even at, is like I guess I'm crazy. I'm old, so I don't know. But it feels like it's at aimed a little older than what this show is aimed at. It's this show like feels it. like it's aimed at like ten, nine to ten, maybe twelve. Hmm. I feel like this show is preteen, where that show is teen. Well, let's talk about this show's head. demo. What's, what's interesting to me is that okay, they they deliberately set up the two protagonists. One is let's say thirteen, maybe fourteen. He might be a maybe, freshman in high school. 14. I, I feel like he's probably closer to thirteen. Because yeah. the other one is like nine, or and the other 10. one is nine, which is an unusual pairing, and they they have to address it in the sure. episodes that this guy's hanging out with this older, or with, yeah, with the, he's the, hanging the, out with a younger kid. Yeah, he's always hanging out with this younger kid. It's his only friend in town. But I feel like what they were doing was bracketing their demo right, right. there. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, our yeah, youngest yeah. viewer. <laughs> this is our oldest viewer. You yeah, each yeah, yeah. get a journey, and that's uh, a hundred. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
Um, but you know, being one of the being on the older end of that when I was watching it the first time, I didn't notice. But now, now I'm like watching it, and I'm watching it through the eyes of the younger one because of my kids. Sure. And it's like it's a wholly different show. It's a scarier show. It's a scarier show. If and you it's think about a, it as a nine year old, it's also fucking dark as shit. That nine year old story. When we get to episode mm-hmm, three, mm-hmm. holy shit, there's some dark shit going on in that kid's life. Pretty adult. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we'll get to that. Let's, yeah, try, yeah. let's stick with episode. I know we're jumping around, but right. we do that on the show. It's fine. Okay. Uh, we'll start with episode one. I like. This show got me, like, I haven't seen the show in, fuck, right. it was on in 91. Now, I was reading on the Wikipedia page, and apparently they aired 13 episodes on NBC. Yep. And then eventually it went to, like, the Disney Channel, where they aired the final six. Yeah, something and like that. And then they became, there was a second, they made a new one called, like, Erie, Indiana, The Outer Dimension, that uh-huh. ran for, like, a season, maybe two years later or something. That was a spinoff. It was, right. And it was, it was because, in between, when this show got canceled, essentially, after one Season they started airing in like Saturday mornings or something, right? There were book spinoffs that became super popular, oh, really? like to, with the Goosebumps crowd. That makes and the sense. book series was so popular that they revived ah, okay. another series sense. based on it. But I, I don't even think I think that lasted just one one season too. Yeah, it did. So um, uh, yeah, but the show I feel like grabbed me kind of like so going back now watching it with pretty much completely fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. I really don't remember it. The only thing I remember about this show was like the basic premise of a kid living in a weird town. Right. And then the op- that mo- the shot of the crow with the eyeball. With the eyeball in its beak. That's, uh, yeah. And that's, that's this show starts with this kid kind of explaining the premise of the show in voiceover. Mm-hmm. My parents moved us to this town. There's weird stuff here. Right. Elvis lives on my paper route. Whatever, yeah. whatever. Uh, <laughs> which now, we'll get to in a future which episode. Is for sure. <laughs> um, but what's crazy is like, it, this episode almost feels like it wasn't supposed to be the pilot and they fix all that in voiceover because it yeah. just seems like it jumps in in a way that's not like we got to get a story out right away. It feels like this was like four episodes in. Well, that's because in the voiceover all- he talks about all the crazy crap he's already barely survived. And he's got this <laughs> yeah. weird collection in his attic of like an yeah, artifact like from an each artif- case ex- that they solve essentially. It's actually a pretty good little looking like uh, plot device. I kind of like oh, I loved it. I want to stare at that all day. Because <laughs> yeah, um, it's also a fun thing where like like we just said in the opening credits that you see Elvis on his on mm-hmm. his paper route. There will be an episode later where yeah. they handle Elvis being on his paper route. So I feel like if you looked in that cabinet, you'd be like, oh, that thing that's on the top shelf, that's going to be an episode. Yeah, that's Elvis's microphone or, or something. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, um, I like that, though. I liked how it jumped in. It didn't have, like, the origin story. It didn't show the family moving and all that. I mean, boring. Sure. You know? sure, sure. It just went straight to the gut of, like... Now, they, they did still clearly be new to... The, there was, they were new to the neighborhood in the episode because the mom... The whole, the whole premise of the episode is that the mom is a terrible housekeeper. Um, <laughs> to, to the point where she's almost a neglectful parent. Like it, She's like, literally poisoning her children with spoiled food. <laughs> she says at one point, he's like, what's to eat, mom? Yeah. And she's like, your dad and I have been busy, so until I get to the grocery store, it's every teenager for himself. <laughs> That's... You're just... Don't have, you can't... Your kid doesn't have money. He can't go buy food, and there's nothing in his house. She literally like goes into like he pulls a thing out of the fridge that's like just a bag of liquid that was apparently right. solid at some point. Yeah. Then she bites a strawberry, and she's like, "Don't eat that." There's nothing good. To, like you just don't have food in your house for your children. Right. You're well past being just a shitty housekeeper. It's not like there's like, she white gloved the table and there was dust. She's just, just children are starving. 
Uh, so, so yeah, so, so she 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 gets saved by all the neighbors coming over, and they they have she hasn't met the neighbors, and they're doing like a welcoming party. And the neighbors, by the way, are basically cast off uh, rejects from Edward Scissorhands. Sure, they're just that a suburban bit of, like, mom Stepford squad, wife kind of thing. Stepford wife, they all dress like Pan Am flight attendants. <laughs> <laughs> there's a great moment in that opening montage, or just in general, that whole opening montage. Which the thing I like is that if you take any of those images by themselves, there's nothing creepy about it. Right. It's people mowing their lawn. It's a woman walking her dog. It's whatever. You put creepy, tinkling piano music behind <laughs> any suburban scene. It is immediately terrifying. No, I don't know yours. I don't know yours. Uh, I grew up in a suburb. Okay, I did not. very much like this. Okay, so to me, I, I, one of the reasons I think I imprinted on this so sure. much is because I also felt like I was an outcast in my suburb and sure. desperately wanted the reason to be because my entire surroundings were full of yeah. really fucked up things going on. <laughs> right, right, right. It wasn't me being the one. And what's weird is that like, so the, when I got older in my suburb, I found out about all the murder-suicides and like, you know, there's there, there plenty is of dark, dark stuff going on, going on yeah, there, yeah, but it's sure. all swept under the carpet. And I think... It's true. It's not just like a narrative device. If you play tinkling music in the suburbs, like right. something bad, some evil's going to come up <laughs> out of the ground and get you. Poltergeist wasn't wrong, which Joe Dante was involved in, by the way. Sure. So, yeah, Joe Dante directed these first two episodes. That's right. And I was a little disappointed that it was not full-on Dante. I was hoping, going back now and knowing more about Dante and being a fan of his, sure. it was going to be more full-on. But yeah, it was but pretty also, light touch. It's light touch. It's. I mean, it's you got to remember, it is like 8 p.m. on NBC. Yes. Uh, in 1991. In NBC, yeah, NBC in 1991. We are talking Cosby Show. Sure. We are talking, yeah, we are talking wholesome, wholesome mm, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was Maybe, ABC. it might even be, that was ABC, for sure. Yeah. But, like, the same time period. Like, that is yeah. still, like, what that, what that TV was at that point. So, this was- is already a little, a little weird for yes. that. Uh, so this yeah. is basically, this is the hot topic in the mall of, you know, yeah. NBC. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, slightly yeah. weird store that's right. still somehow still kind of corporate and yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so these uh, Stepford wives come over and they are going to solve this mom's problem with all the uh, the Tupperware. It's a Tupperware party. And the thing about this episode that's so funny to me is that it's it's like they brought the 60s and all the 60s tropes into the 90s. As a right. kid, I had no idea what was going on. I think yeah, all the adults would be like, oh, this is cliche, Tupperware right, right, party, right. and this and that. But Yeah, I never heard of a Tupperware party at no. the time, for sure. I mean, I, not watching it now, I got that. Yeah. But also, like, she is straight out of, like, Pleasantville. Yes. When the first mom comes over, she's in, like, a pink pillbox hat. Right. She's kind of dressed like Jackie O. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's clearly... Like the se- so she opens the door. She's her and her two twin fat sons, <laughs> Bert and uh, Ernie. Bert and there Ernie. are so many. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of little references. A lot of se- uh, Sesame Street references for some reason. Um, they're pushing these giant containers, and she's selling Tupperware. We're gonna have this party. Um, the kid, I, 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 the fact that they secondly open the door and like. I'm like hide like those. There's something wrong with those people, <laughs> and that's you think that's funny, but like there is something to be said for. That there's eccentricity, and then there's something wrong with you. When I was yes, I was when I was in eighth grade, there was a kid I went to school with. I won't say his name. Ah, fuck him, Todd O'Brien. Who <laughs> I'll say I don't give a shit. Who used to wear? Uh, he ain't listening to this. He used to wear a suit and tie and carry a briefcase to school every okay. day in like okay. seventh and eighth grade. Right, right. That's weird. 
And not mm-hmm. people go, oh, he's like a young, he's like an old soul. No, that's the fuck. That's weird. Right. Keep an eye on that dude. Mm-hmm. Well, a number of years later, who gets fucking caught with kitty porn and goes to jail for a bunch of shit? Mm-hmm. Todd Goddamn O'Brien. So my point is, if mm-hmm. you see, if you open your door and a woman from the '60s with her two fat twins is there, run away. That's not normal. They're a problem. Uh, um, <sighs> We, which we find out immediately that they are 100% a problem. Oh, it's uh, clear. Yeah, it's obvious from the get-go. And I like how they... But they somehow magically, because it's TV and because there's this weird sheer, this just veneer of of genre to it, right. nothing really has to make sense. Sure. So, like, for the plot purposes, this extremely smart, hip mom yeah. totally falls for this Tupperware pitch hook, Me- line, and sinker. Immediately. Which, by the way, can I just throw out there now that I had a total kid crush on this mom. I wanted her to be my mom. Oh, yeah. And now watching it, I just have a flat-on crush. <laughs> she is so... She's a hot mama. Mom's kind of hot. Dad is the most white-bread, milk-toast dad. He's like, the daddiest dad. dad. Oh, my God. Um, the daughter, like, I don't know if they're going to do anything with her, but at this point, she is like... yeah. Sort of barely a character. She shows up every once right. in a while. She kind of noogies the brother, the main character, and right. of, she's just in and out. But there is something I do enjoy about the fact that, and it, since the show is told from the kid's perspective and the mm-hmm. kid's a hero, the pair, everyone beside those two kids, completely clueless yes. to the most obvious like shit weirdness is going on. Right, right. Uh, nobody else catches it except for these kids. And that's kind of like why the mom is like a me. Oh, Tupperware? Sure. Who doesn't yeah. want Tupperware? That literally the pitches makes food last forever. <laughs> if you use it, if you keep it, if you use it by the rules, make sure it's sealed tight. It's... One woman at one point at the party goes, I sealed these Brussels sprouts when Jimmy Carter was in office and they're still fresh. That's that's magic. That's de- that's demonology. There's yes. no way you can do that. That is that, that and that is. Um, I mean, they even call it Foreverware, don't they? Yeah, it's yeah, called yeah. Foreverware. There's a song. <laughs> and there's a Foreverware. But song. I love the idea. Okay, so the, the the wrinkles to this Tupperware thing are a. There's a payment plan. So this is some really expensive Tupperware. Yeah, and at one yeah, point, yeah. they make a joke that when it starts to really go over the top, and they're singing the Tupperware anthem and everything, they start to they make a joke that oh, you know I. I don't know why everybody thinks I needed that car. I rather need this Tupperware. So this is Tupperware that costs. I'm going to roughly car fifty thousand dollars. Roughly car priced for sure. That will keep your food fresh forever. Forever. How much of this Tupperware do you need? You need one set at max, right? Because then, then your food's just uh, fresh forever. Yeah. Take it out, eat it. It's done. Although I feel like once you eat it, because like it, as we find out later in this episode, and I say it initially, yeah. if you don't use it, like if you leave it unsealed, the aging process accelerates, so it goes rotten really fast. Right. So it makes me wonder when you eat the food. Like, does it just rot inside your stomach? Yeah. yeah like a lot of weird. And oddly enough, this child show didn't really delve into the science <laughs> of fucking foreverware. Um, but that being said, so they, so I do like this moment. The, the Why one did of the they put it in the refrigerator. It's like, I, <laughs> yeah, no, no one knows, man. Like I'm trying here. I'm really trying. Sorry, you continue. I'm, no, no, I'm it's all... totally fine. I got a lot of questions too, but I'm trying to do that thing where you don't pick apart right. a children's show from your past, even though it's the entire premise of the show. Right. Sure. Um, <laughs> but to, to, I'm doing it to a point of like mm-hmm. I just I do kind of enjoy I enjoyed this episode. Yes. Um, the fat kid, one of the fat kids, palms a note to our hero mm-hmm. that says like yearbook 1964. They go look up the yearbook. The kid. Those two fat kids are in the yearbook picture in 1964. Haven't changed it as many as a day. Yeah, um, I'm still wearing the same outfits, which I guess they store in big forever wear Tupperware. No, they just too. sleep yeah. in them. We find out in later in this episode. Yeah. They just go in that same outfit and they put them in giant Tupperware containers that go that have that like, like lock noise when they go into place. 
Uh, and that, here's a thing that I enjoy too: the kids have to sneak out at night, yes. and go experiment. That's I couldn't tell you the last time I saw that. Outside of like, okay, Harry Potter, like you said, that's true. I wasn't really thinking about that. No, but, but like the sneaking out at night was like th- that is a thrilling thing to watch. For I sure, did that I did yeah. that all the time. And they used ladders to climb up to second, second story windows and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah climbing yeah. up trellises. Like, yeah, this is some adventuring, you know, for sure, uh, adventure club type stuff. I think the scariest thing in the episode for me, because it wasn't a very... I don't know how scary it was meant to be. It's more eerie. It's much more Tim Burton yeah, yeah, kind of style sort of, eerie. Yeah, just sort of creep, general creepiness. Um, but honestly, when he... At one point, he has to hide in the forever where... Right. That freaked me out. The Because suddenly, the protagonist getting in there and having the seal put on him. Yeah. Instant claustrophobia. Like, I could feel how... For sure. And then also, what is, what's happening to him? Like, yeah. like the, when they pop it off, he's going to rot? I don't know. This yeah. is... Yeah, I was genuinely freaked out. <laughs> like, don't uh, stay in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he the, he sneaks back in during the... To get, like, the, to ex- see what's happening during mm-hmm. the uh, Foreverware party. Uh, when he runs into the kids and the kids like you got to help us, right. it's like we've been in seventh grade for thirty years. Do you have any idea how terrifying that is? Which I genuinely enjoyed that line <laughs> um, <laughs> because I can't imagine that sounds. I can't imagine being like a seventh grade teacher. That just sounds horrific. I, well, wouldn't the school catch on again? I, want, I don't mean to pick. I, it, I, don't I have no, no part. Nick Pickleway because I have that same fucking problem with this, yeah. which is that they just live in Erie. Yeah, they haven't. They don't make any mention of them moving place to place. They look clearly have been in there since nineteen sixty four because they have the yearbook. Yep. So so like year after year, these kids just keep coming back. Yeah. They're still in the seventh grade. Yep. No one notices that. Yeah, it's a little strange. It, um, yeah, that the, that was a little weak point for me as well. There's not a lot of logic to this town, and I don't mean in just the sense that yes, supernatural things are always ha- happening. Sure. I mean just there's not any internal logic to it. It actually kind of feels like Springfield. In that, hundred percent. The town will be whatever the story needs it to be, and don't worry about continuity or logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, and if they yeah. didn't call it Erie, Indiana, it could literally just be like Erie, could be like Springfield, that it doesn't exist any particular place, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it is. It's like the whole series is basically a, a not that funny Treehouse of Horrors episode. <laughs> after episode. Yeah. Valid point. Yeah. Um, they So he sneaks back in at night, pops the kids out of their Tupperware. Right. Um, the mom gets out of her Tupperware, which I'm not sure how she sealed herself into her own Tupperware, but whatever, it's fine. A handle. Uh, um, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, checks on them the kids are hiding in the closet it's fine she go what the this is where i get fucking genuinely like this is this just took a turn uh the hero goes like well what about your mom and then the two kids are like we'll handle mom and they're just like punching their fists like that i'm like they're gonna murder mom they are gonna live with mom's corpse that's Mm -hmm. gonna be one of those situations Mm -hmm. they got all that forever where yeah yeah you know (laughs) which absolutely happened in my where i grew up there was a guy i worked with at a call center who was weird clearly weird at one time like one time we were at a bar and he told us that he wrote the song uptight by stevie wonder and he's been robbed of his royalties he was, he was a very strange guy okay. turns out murdered his dad and lived with him for like six months so he could keep cashing his social security checks uh and then they caught him eventually well, do you have to keep the corpse around to collect the checks no Couldn't i guess you he, could bury it but he just didn't know how to he accomplish didn't know that how to handle that so yeah. i feel like he was kind of i mean he was obviously fucking mentally ill right oh, so yeah, yeah. um <laughs> But we get the summation of the episode is that they yeah. go out like they go outside the next day. Well, the next morning they open the fridge. There was a bologna sandwich at one point that they got as like a sample of like they put in the sa- sample right. Tupperware or Foreverware that was dated 1974. And they look oh it's very fresh it looks great. But they leave the seal off a little bit and then when they come down the next morning it's just bubbly rotten news. Right. Uh, the mom's like oh I can't believe I almost fell for that 
Foreverware. Well, she fell for it to the point where she was doing the wave at the Foreverware party. Yes. Like, she was hook, line, and sinker into Foreverware. She was brainwashed by that Foreverware anthem, which is fantastic, by the way. It's, <laughs> it's the pretty great. Party, I might, so. I'll probably put the clip in okay. to the episode so people can hear it. I'll maybe at the end or something. Foreverware. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it seems like a, like a school fight song, you know yeah. what I mean? But Foreverware. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mom goes outside, and there are two grown twins at the house next door. Mm. And obviously, the boys have aged rapidly overnight because when you leave the seal off, the aging yep. process is accelerated. Uh, they're like, oh, no, the woman who lived here had to move, but, you know, we're family, and we're living here now. Uh, and they're, like, putting up a for sale sign or whatever on the house, and then the mom pokes her head out the top window, and she's a thousand years old or right. whatever. And, the, and wearing, like, senile. The, wearing, like, the same outfit, nobody's picked up, like, that's how, like, again, but I do like the obliviousness of these parents and right. all the adults, because as a kid show, you want, like, you like, oh, adults never get it. They're not paying attention to this kind of stuff. So the mom's, like, looking at what is clearly just her older yes. in the same pink fucking hat. And they're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, she must be another old lady who lives here with two twins. This doesn't make any sense. Um, there's a line at the very end of the episode, which actually sums up a lot of what we're saying about how the parents are adop- or whatever. It's like, a kid's got to grow up fast and eerie, or he might not grow up at all. Fuck it, that, kid. <laughs> Which is something like, I feel like black parents have to say to their kids about, like, <laughs> dealing with the police, you know what I mean, in real life. But That's... in eerie, it's just, you know. No, you it's a little in, more you literal. You're not going to get shot down in the street. You're just going to get preserved. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I genuinely liked this episode. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good... I thought it was a good pilot yes. for our first episode sure uh you you understand all the characters immediately because really there's only two that matter uh it's yes the hero and simon or marshall is the hero's name right and simon, simon is the little friend simon holmes uh <laughs> clever they are like you get them immediately the parents you get their relationship they're f- nice friendly people they're oblivious to what's going on in the world yep they have their at the end they, you, you see this cabinet that they keep locked up with like evidence of all their adventures a little tag on it or whatever right so i think out. they put some forever wear in there for yeah, this yeah, one yeah. so it's sort of like there's an icon for each for each episode, episode. yeah which so a lot of things for like a nerdy person to like grab onto and for just sure. like obsess about with this show but i i think the the it was simultaneous with tales from the crypt mm. and i think it basically was probably pitched in it's, some hollywood boardroom kids tales from the tales crypt. from the crypt for kids and so every episode has a comeuppance just like tales from a hundred percent they're all morality plays exactly and so what i love about this one is that the comeuppance is basically that the tupperware lady has to get old right <laughs> <laughs> not die not die just not experience die. what being old is. just be old yeah yeah which um, for but also kid. think about those sons you're yeah. now just forty year old, like you're in a forty year old's body. Yeah. But, but I mean, did they? They've never matured really. I mean, they've lived on the planet for thirty years, but they've lived as children. They haven't had a job. They haven't had a relationship. They didn't really have great personalities. Oh, they were. Going I to don't be think sad fucking twins that just like yeah. own a drugstore in Erie and never leave their they parents. They always out. stand right next to each other and they talk at the same <laughs> they time. Dress the same. The same I don't clothes. think they were missing out on a lot of spring break action or anything. You know what I mean? I think they were ready to skip right to fifty or forty or Valid whatever. Point. Yeah, I'm not feeling too sorry for the Otho twins. Uh, that brings us to episode two. Yes. Uh, the retainer. Yes, which you uh, did not like. I. It grew on me, like, up to the halfway point, I'm like, this episode fucking stinks. 
And by the end, it kind of got me into it. I love this episode. Uh-huh. Okay. This See, the next the episode is the episode, episode for me. Because oh. it's so fucking just like that one's dark. satire and crazy dark. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go on. Oh, okay, so well, the reason I like this episode, the whole creepy thing that happens is that this one kid who has... Okay, first of all, Vincent Schiavelli, the scary guy from Ghost sure. in the subway, is an orthodontist. And he fits this kid with a bunch of braces and all of a sudden for some reason it yeah. picks up on dog talk <laughs> so yeah he, <laughs> he gets, can hear he dogs gets, he can hear dogs thoughts because he has like crazy headwear headgear like the headgear kind of retainer and this is just Spring, a new springs on the side of his face for some reason yeah it's a new kid they just they just introduced this episode introduced he's kind of overweight and he's he's, he's eating a kid eating a sandwich and <laughs> our hero literally says like we're not even really friends he just comes over our house to eat because his parents won't let him <laughs> He comes over to our house to eat sandwiches because he's like, because his parents won't let him snack. Probably because how gross it is. And then it cuts to him and he's got like sandwich meat stuck in his braces or whatever. It was gross. And yeah. It was definitely gross. But like, that's a weird reason for you to to introduce a character. Oh, his parents won't let him eat. So he comes to our house. I love that the protagonist just seems to collect people accidentally. He just shows up in town and that's how he made his nine year old friend. Now this kid who eats sandwiches with braces on is in there all the time. (laughs) Well, I got news for you. You ain't going to be around long. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's he's not a pleasant person anyway. No, he's kind of. Of fucking annoying. Yeah, he's kind of a dick. He's kind of a dick. And also, I was getting mad. So he get yeah. So uh, yeah. first off, I want to say one thing quick about Schiavelli, if that's how I can pronounce yeah. his name, uh, the orthodontist. He is so good. Yes, always. Yes, and I feel bad and good for him at the same time. Well, he's dead where, now. Well, so he's dead now. So whatever. Feel however you want. Well, I don't. Well, I feel like nothing because he's dead. Uh, <laughs> I never met him. It's fine. But my point is. <laughs> He, so, like, he's a guy who worked for fucking ever. Right. Probably two times a year, made a movie or a TV show, whatever. Mm-hmm. Great career. But at the end of the day, it's because you look melty. It's because yeah. you look fucking <laughs> frightening. Like, he never had, like, and they never, and there was never a moment where he got the role of, like, oh, you know, I, I, I might look this way, but really, yeah, you get to know me, you know, mm-hmm. the inner beauty. No, he's just a fucking monster. No heart of gold. Always. Nope, yeah. nope, nope. Just uh, creepy and scary. Just a creepy, scary dude. Mm-hmm. And no difference in this episode. And I kind of wanted there to be more with him, yeah. which I was a little disappointed because that's really his only scene is that opening scene where he fits him with the braces. Well, they, they didn't have, they clearly didn't have a huge budget for this show um, because I feel like if Dante were given money, they would have had yeah, yeah, yeah. lots and lots of guest stars and props sure. and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there's very few. I don't really, other than him at this point, nobody's standing out. No, wise. nobody went on to do anything. The only <laughs> exception is is uh, is the mom that I have a crush on uh-huh. is Dawson's mom. Oh, okay. I never so she Dawson's she looked Creek. totally different on Dawson's Creek. It, I had to actually look that one up to find out. Um, and I think the sister like had a role on Wonder Years, and she quit it to be on this show. Which, <laughs> oops. <laughs> oops. Oh, oh man yeah oh that's rough that is rough um so i feel bad for her wherever she is anyway so yeah so fat so, kid comes over and he's picking up on dog thoughts dog thoughts and which are hilariously over the top conspiracy theory okay dog so, thoughts so first well initially alex jones would have loved <laughs> these dogs for sure well initially it's like oh come on please drop that sandwich just yeah. drop some of that sandwich i want that sandwich Classic dog thought. Classic. And immediately switches to, like, I'm going to eat this kid. This kid looks like lunch. And then, like, the French poodle shows up with a French accent. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you, you know you have work to do. Viva uh, la Reve- I'm, I'm Viva surprised she wasn't actually wearing a beret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, my, this is my favorite scene in, in any of these three episodes is the first time that they're all, like, playing. And there's this big, fluffy 
Alaskan husky. Yeah, yeah. Just jumps on top of a kid. Jumps yeah, yeah, yeah. on top of on Simon. Simon. And Simon's like, oh, this is a good and boy. And he's all cuddly. Yeah, and yeah. The, the dog is cuddly. He's licking him. He's yeah, like, yeah, 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 it's just a normal dog thing. And then they start picking up the dog thoughts. And the dog thoughts are so corny, it can't possibly be scary. Because he's mm-hmm. like, hey, looks like lunch. Oh, I can't wait to take a bite out of this kid. <laughs> yeah, huh? yeah. He's like really talking himself into it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. And when he finally goes for the jugular, like yeah, yeah. they pull them they off easily, pull the dog. Yeah, yeah. Off. The, uh, Marshall, who's three years older, not much bigger, is yeah. like, "Oh, hey, knock it off!" And the guy's dog's like, "All oh, right, dog's whatever." Like, and like, then the poodle yeah. comes in, like this. But like, that's the whole plan, dog. Like, that's your dog thought. It's yeah, just yeah. like, oh, also, "I can't wait to eat this kid." Let's, let's put it this way: there's still fucking dogs at the end of the day. Maybe we don't have a lot of thoughts kids. other than eating people or no. eating things. But here's what we find out: and halfway through, yes. and first off, everyone know going in. I'm sure I've mentioned this before. For I'm a huge dog person. Right. Fucking love dogs. Uh, I literally have never seen a dog that I didn't out loud say, hey, buddy, to on mm-hmm. the street in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a, I side 100% with the dogs in this episode. Uh, uh, they're on the right completely. Yes. So, here, so what finds out is, like, and I kind of got halfway, like nothing really happens after that moment except they go and get a like a, a radio, like a transistor radio with an antenna. Right. They connect with a cable, the antenna to the kids' braces. So they can all so they listen. So they can all listen into the dog thoughts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe record them. So I think that's supposed to be a tape recorder on the Yeah, radio. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they follow some dogs around. They're hearing some dog thoughts. Not a lot. It's kind of meandering for a minute. They come across a bunch of dogs that are barking and howling. And it turns out they're what they're singing. thinking is a doo-wop song. They're singing that they're the thigh bones connected to the hip bone. That's what they're singing. Uh, I did just love this episode. I, I, fair enough. I did. I enjoyed that moment very much. I actually, wrote down that. I it is that so stupid, much. funny. Um, and then, and, so, and then they find out that there's a conspiracy for the dogs to break out of. Well, the they get pounds. to the they get to the the dog catcher, the pound. Yeah, uh, and the dog catcher's a dick. Yes, uh, um, as required by as TV <laughs> law. Uh, but yeah, but like. He's like cartoonishly evil. Yes. At, first off, they keep the dogs in the same room as the gas chamber for the dogs, which I feel like is kind of <laughs> fucked up. Like which is it's just, just a in large the, safe. Yeah, yeah. They've it's just... got like one of those like spinny handles, like you know what I mean, like on a submarine door. Right, like uh, Ocean's Eleven would break into <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the back of the room where all the dogs are lined up. And he's like, the dogs are barking. They're like, yeah, hey, you know the rules. No barking. Unless you want to go in the chamber or whatever. He's like, just. And he's like, <laughs> like, he's just evil. He's an evil dog catcher. He loves his job, though. Loves his job. Oh, loves, loves it. Loves, it. loves, it. loves frying loves, dogs. Loves up. killing a dog. Um, his name is Mr. Dithers. Mm. Uh, Mr. Dithers gets his comeuppance because he is fucking eaten alive by a bunch of dogs. Yes. Uh, that's what I like about this show. There is death. Mm-hmm. Immediately, there are stakes. Like there are for real stakes, and I mean that in the sense. Okay, Mr. Dithers gets his comeuppance. He's an yes. evil dog. He doesn't catcher. just get oldened. Like right. that's what I was worried about after <laughs> yeah, the first yeah, yeah. episode. I was it's like, just going to be some lighthearted yeah, like, whatever. No. Yeah, no, he, he gets, gets eaten. He gets eaten alive. If, uh, they come back to check on the dog hound. They mm-hmm. want to go in and figure out. We'll hear all the thoughts if we go in there. It's where all the dogs are, mm-hmm. and the door is propped open with 
a very clear, still has some meat on it, human femur bone. Like, it is just a leg bone propping the door open. And Simon grabs it, and she's like, oh, it's like dog spitting stuff on this. And, like, throws it over his shoulder, and then they go. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. Doesn't like, give it a second thought. You know, sometimes you find a bone. Um, but, no, and there's some of the best dialogue. Like, the, this is when the, the one of the few times when the show actually made me laugh is when the dog thoughts during the breakout. It just gets super funny. Yeah. Like, the way that they're, like, all gung-ho about it. And it gets kind of communist, I want to say. Oh, it's very, like, Animal Farm. Yeah. Uh, there's a, like, well, they, so so they go in there and they're, like, looking around. And the dogs are just kind of barking. They're not really saying a whole ton until they turn and then the, the husky is there. The poodle is there. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a third, like, Benji-looking dog that's there now, too. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, they're, like, start going off on their, like, sort of ideology of, like, <laughs> they're, like, what do you want? And they're, like, no more leashes. And uh, we're sick of whatever. They're like, no more kibble. At one point, and a very reasonable question, like, from a dog point of view, yeah. uh, enough with the neutering already. Yeah. <laughs> very reasonable position for a dog to take. Can you please stop cutting our balls off? <laughs> like, I, I get it, dogs. You're right. And it's like, why don't you sleep outside for once and all this shit? Like, oh, see how man. you like it. And it's like, yeah, these dogs are right. I know. They I love that guy who's a piece of shit. So good for him. And then these and then dogs, they... are, they're right. Here's where the dogs go a little off fucking off the track. Yeah. They fucking kill Stevie, the fat kid who eats sandwiches. <laughs> who can hear their thoughts? For, because they can, he's like, oh, he'll know our secrets. We can't have that. And like, t- they go give us the uh, give us the, the the retainer, right? And they'll destroy the retainer, and then you're fine. Like, we'll let you go. Well, but he can't get the, the, the he can't get the retainer out, mm-hmm. and he's afraid that they're going to spoil. The dogs are afraid they're going to spoil the conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can't get the retainer out because all they have is the element of surprise, right. and their willingness to eat children. For That's sure. the only. Th- there's also a great. There's also a great line where the yeah. French poodle goes like, "As soon as we solve the mystery of the doorknob, <laughs> this world is ours." <laughs> I enjoyed that very much. Yes. I wrote down, like, oh, okay, I enjoyed that very much. This is, um, if this episode took place in, like, 2016, if they updated the series, I think it would be more like the kids stumble on dog Twitter and, yeah, like, yeah, find yeah, out all yeah, the dog yeah, hashtags, yeah, yeah. and then the dogs would have killed their one follower. It was like you just destroyed the one hope you had of getting your you message know, out. Message out. Uh, which I Stevie... thought was pretty deep satire, actually. Like, I was, I know, I know it's dogs, and I know it's Erie, Indiana. Sure. But when I was watching this another time, the second time, I was like, you know what? This says a lot about how, like, revolutions with really good points and good collective action just about to make a difference destroy themselves with, you know, violence. I was like, that's a deep-ass thought, Erie, Indiana. I, you, I and it was like, funny, I like too. You, I feel like you may be reading that into this, as, but that being said, I was, that's good art. is open interpretation and allowed you to bring I was looking for a reason it. to love this episode as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but also in general, it is just kind of like if we just take it as sort of a genre mm-hmm. piece and sort of a horror piece. This is a show for kids. It is a kind of fucked up idea to put in kids' heads. Hey, you know the dog you love so much? He wants to kill you while you sleep. You. He's going to eat you. Every time you pet him, he's thinking about killing you. Uh, there's also a great thing in this episode that's super dated that I just really love. Where like, There's always a little bit of like... They're they're trying to figure out what's up with Erie. Like, there's mm-hmm. not really. It's not to the point of like there's an underlying mystery. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of the town's weird. Mm-hmm. But there's little moments where like in this episode, there's no mythos, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's all standalones. Yeah. But uh, it's all monster of the week. But that being said, there's a moment early when we first meet Steve, where Marshall's hanging out with Steve, and then Simon shows up, and he's like, "Oh, I got the books from the library, all except for like the Sorcerer's Guidebook because it was already out, and the book is like these got books on like the Bermuda Triangle and whatever, whatever." <laughs> 
Uh, and he's like, look, the Bermuda Triangle, and it's a map, and you show the triangle, and you, then you look at the map of Erie, Indiana, and Erie, Indiana's town limits are the exact size and shape of the Bermuda, Bermuda triangle. triangle. And he's like, I knew it. I knew what? I, <laughs> Alex Jones would love uh, this 100%. show. hundred percent. But also, remember <laughs> when the Bermuda Triangle was a thing? Oh, man. It was prevalent in pop culture. When I was a yeah. kid, I was like way into this kind of horse shit yes. but the kind of shit that people like adults are into now on the internet mm-hmm. I liked when I was a child mm-hmm. uh, Bigfoot that kind of stuff yeah um, that was the trio it was Bigfoot uh, the Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle, Triangle and Ghosts Ghost, General Hauntings Loch, yeah yeah I would go like Loch Ness Bigfoot are kind of together sort of Loch Ness uh, like, like spontaneous monsters spontaneous combustion sure that was a big one yeah yeah it yeah, was yeah. in all those books um, but for sure I remember I had a book on like real monsters so it was Ooh. like Bigfoot Yeti Loch Ness Monster mm-hmm. but then also like Komodo Dragons which are just real they're just lizards. they are that's, they just exist uh, but see that's the reality that keeps right, you anchored right, right. so you know that <laughs> we just haven't discovered very smart uh, but I brought them to my born again Christian neighbor friend's mm-hmm. house and they made me leave because they was like those are demons you can't bring a demon book into this house and I was like they're drawings they're just like cartoons oh on Bigfoot God, like, how awesome would it be if you actually summoned the Komodo dragon from the pet store it'd be awesome it'd be really <laughs> it's cool like, oh look yeah, yeah. I drew a circle yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I like that. Like that. That mm. to me, that's a very dated moment to reference that because I don't know if the Bermuda Triangle has been mentioned outside I think it's of been like solved by. Well, yeah, it's just fucking just navigation. Yeah, it's just yeah. bad navigation in the seas. Like it's not a big deal. No, I think now it's uh, Malaysia. It's like yeah. the Malaysian Triangle <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that we're all worried about. Uh, I the at one point the dogs bring. So so by the way, we kind of glossed over the fact. The dogs fucking kill Steve. Now, we yes. don't see it happen, but they literally go, and we never, like, the dogs drag him away, and, and we, never, we saw never saw Steve, Steve again. Nah. Uh, the dogs come back with his, the, the, so at the end of the episode, he has, to, so we missed a, a framing of this episode, oh, yeah. which it opens with, he, the, the, the new kid, uh, the hero, Marshall, is getting mm-hmm. a retainer. And, and he doesn't want to get one. He doesn't want to go, he doesn't want to get one, and then it sort of flashes back to the story we just told. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the end of the episode, He's gotten his retainer. He's got to go out into the world. He's terrified to go out in the world because there are dogs everywhere. And he knows what they're up to, uh, which is kind of like an interesting little thing. Like if you – if conspiracy theories were real, like if the Illuminati is a real thing right. and you stumble onto it in the way that, oh, I know 100% this is a fact. I see – I saw a thing. Yeah. Now you – would you ever leave your house again? Like they're everywhere, right? So that's basically what this is with this dog. Uh, he doesn't want to leave, but he realizes he has to get on with his life. He's got to go deliver his paper route. He runs into that dog. Yes. Like the dog's there, and he's like, look, man, I got a regular ass retainer. I can't hear any of your thoughts. Like, I just got to I got to deliver my paper route. I'm not a threat to you. And the dog's just kind of sitting there panting at him, which I enjoyed. <laughs> but the dog has Steve's mangled retainer in his mouth. He does. And he gives it to, to – uh, to Marshall, and to, that's what ends up being the, the, the thing in the cabinet. But Marshall says, "I bet Steve's mom's going to be real mad." Yeah, you think her son's dead? Like she's probably got to go through a lot of emotions. I think there's five stages: the bargaining, <laughs> depression, anger, acceptance. I think they left it open that perhaps you perhaps know what? he just went home and got grounded forever. No, they never saw him losing again. his no. retainer. Yeah, they yeah, never yeah, saw him again. They but, never know. saw him. that child is dead oh my god um the, the, the retainers mangled to pieces yeah that, that that kid's fucking dead for certain there's definitely um, an alternate take to this whole show that is basically the slow descent into madness for marshall oh yeah. like if none he's, of this is yeah, real yeah he's just looking in the snow globe from yeah. st elmo's fire and it's just a fucking completely fake world. just sitting on his bike talking to a dog like <laughs> i don't mean you any harm yeah 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 it's yeah. like damn 
we should not have moved from New York. He's 22, and his parents are like, you got to come back inside and get on your meds. I'm, I know they make you feel weird. Um, <laughs> All right. Episode three, mm-hmm. I really liked in the way like, – I liked it because it's like the first one that's just pure like – of the time commentary satire yes like and like way on the nose but for like not why it's okay so it's about the savings and loan scandals and banks and there's a little bit about about sort of friendship and like who's your real friend if you have money or whatever but there's but it's it starts about like you've heard i know savings and loans have got a bad rap but We've got something that's going to change the world, and I genuinely laughed out loud at this moment. So, there's a the guy. There's a guy who the dad. Acted, the dad is an inventor. The dad is an inventor. He mention. works. He works for Things Incorporated. Absolutely. Um, uh, so the dad's standing next to this guy at a podium. The guy's giving a speech about how we're going to change the world of banking or whatever. Mm-hmm. That guy was the president in like the first season of Twenty Four, for a frame of reference. Oh wow! Um, he's okay. got. He's gone on to do a fair amount of stuff. Okay. Um, there's a. It's all on him. The camera pr- p- uh, turns to reveal. There's just. It's literally just Marshall, Simon, two. F- they're two new friends. Yes. That are just like kind of older, who are dick bags, and then <laughs> the mom. And that there's like risers set up, but there's no one in them. Right. And he's giving this rousing speech to fucking nobody. I genuinely laughed out loud. It's such a dumb, obvious gag, but it, it worked. It, it is worked lovely, and of course the 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 thing that's going to save them is just an ATM. That's real with- friendly. With Siri, basically, it's yeah, like yeah. Max. Well, it's Max Headroom. It's hundred yeah. percent Max Headroom. It's yeah. a face on a on a on a TV that's turned vertical. So right. it's like imagine like if you had an old old set, CRT like, console yeah. mm-hmm. television and you mm-hmm. turned it sideways. That's what this is, and there's a face on it that's got like a bow tie, and it's kind of the dad's face, not really. What was his name again? Was it Wilson? Wilson. Which and was the home improvement hadn't come out yet, right? So right, like right. that did not have any resonance. <laughs> yeah, nobody who fuck Wilson was. It wasn't <laughs> this wasn't that uh, Tom Hanks movie? No, it wasn't uh, volleyball. Yeah. So, so Wilson is a friend. So, what's going to change the world of banking? Because there's banking has gotten such a bad rap mm-hmm. because of the savings and loan scandal. Because of the savings and loan scandal yeah. is a friendly ATM. Yes. Now, by the way, you know what's a friendly ATM? A fucking bank teller. That's exact. <laughs> that's what's. That's what a friendly ATM is. This is literally an ATM where there's a face that talks to you, and then when it wants to give you money, a robotic hand comes out of the machine and hands you the money. Oh, no, not as a robotic coming out. A, a, a mannequin hand. It's mm-hmm. crea- Yeah, if it were like a robot claw or something. No, no, it's makes, a human. Yeah, it looks a, like a human it hand. Looks like, like a an human hand, hand with like a glove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, reaches out and hands you your money. This was like the Ask Jeeves moment of like ATM technology. Uh huh. And the whole time, and they're like, they say, and like the sun sets it up. This was the first time we're like. We don't get the full montage. Uh-huh. The first two episodes, we got like the shot of Elvis checking his mail yep. and lawnmowers and all that stuff. This time, we get this kind of cold open, and it goes right to the credits because they have so much to cover. We got to cover, it. and the yeah. kid says like, uh, "Who knew this was going to cause so much trouble or something mm-hmm. to that effect?" And I was like, "Oh, this is going to be like a like a needful thing situation right. where it's going to be weird bartering for this money and turning the town against each other." That would have been a better story. It would have been a much better story. The story turns out this ATM was kind of lonely, and the only person who was nice to it was Simon. So we just <laughs> gave Simon all the money in the world. Uh, that's the whole episode, which I kind of enjoyed anyway. So, right. so Marshall meet. Mar- so it, it's a very standard trope in any sort of kids fiction where there's an older and a younger friend right. where the older friend kind of makes some older friends closer to his age or maybe a little older and mm. he's maybe not hanging out with the young, the young kid anymore. Yeah, leaves the young kid behind. It's it's a typically a sibling situation sure. but in this show... So they, it's, they, it's just whatever. Um, 
these older friends are dickbag. Like they're like if you if you were gonna make a commercial for like the new kind of high C, yeah, they would be the kids on like skateboards in the background, like yeah, Slimer Punch or whatever. Like they weren't like bad. They weren't they like, bad. They, they were just kind of shitty. They were just typical. They were 80s teenagers that right. somehow got just far enough into the 90s, like with the scoopy hair and the gotcha shorts and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a moment where we find out their story, which is that their parents are in the Congo yes. and left their brother in charge. And that's their whole story. That's their whole uh, backstory. At, at one point, they go, you got to come over. Their brother's name's like Ace or something terrible like that. Yeah. And they go, you got to come over and meet his bo- his girlfriend. She's not, a, she's not a girl. She's a woman. And... <laughs> <laughs> and then and then later Simon who like is playing it like she doesn't he doesn't really get what that means yeah. is like tell me like Marshall's going to go hang out with them instead of hang out with Simon and Simon's like okay well tell me if his girlfriend's a girl or a lady yeah uh report back on report if she's actually a woman she's a girl or a lady <laughs> yeah yeah and then <laughs> when we get we finally get the report back Marshall says she wasn't a girl or a lady so well, then what the fuck? <laughs> I am confused now. I'm that, Simon. That was the episode. That was right there. They missed. They took they a wrong missed, turn. Yeah, yeah. That should have been the monster. I wanted to see Erie, Indiana, like you know, babysitter edition. Like, <laughs> yeah. What happened to Marshall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That she was Some not weird so ladylike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this woman was just statutory raping those kids. Maybe that's the whole premise of I that, don't know that weird backstory. Well, yeah, um, and no wonder they in this to hang episode. Out there. This okay, so. Ooh. So mm-hmm. so there's the bank episode. The, the monster in this episode is Wilson the ATM. A friendly ATM. And he's not a monster. He's a lonely computer. And <laughs> since Simon is nice to him, he starts giving Simon his money. Hey, here's 100 bucks. Hang out or whatever. Right. Uh, to the point where he gives them gives Simon all of the town's money. Yes. Millions of dollars. Yes. Uh, the town goes bankrupt. The father's about to go to jail. This, this was the most unbelievable moment of any of these episodes. <laughs> the, so... There's a thing on the news of like we're broke. First off, there's a f- the new- I like the news so much because there's just a ton of gags in it. Yeah. At one point, the, like it starts that broadcast starts with the news broadcaster saying, um, "The fire department was uh, had its hands full today with a two engine blaze." Thing of it is, we've only got one what engine. engine. <laughs> like it's just a it's goofy small town news jokes that I just enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> but then it literally cuts to like so the dad's like, oh, the ATM's going great, did a lot of business, at forty grand this weekend, and then. Like the TV's like, Erie's busted, flat broke, in the red, blah, blah, blah. like just running off on more <laughs> broke puns. Um, because he gave the machine gave all of the ta- every single person in the town's money one that every person in that town was to one bank. Yes, and he gave all of their money to Simon to Simon who, who has been buying sneakers immediately, and ice cream sandwiches. It must be said, must be pointed out, redistributed that wealth. Th- yeah, yeah, it's a thoroughly. Shit, I wrote that immediately. <laughs> yeah, was, like as far as like economic stimulus goes, I'm sure their savings account sucked, but man, did that like little shoe slash. What kind of shop was it? I guess yeah, it was well, like a it was Kmart. well, it was any, it was everything. It was called yeah. like well, it's called World of Stuff. World of Stuff, and it that's the gag is one. It cu- it sells everything in the world. There's right. like an ice cream counter, but it also sells sneakers and yeah. and whatever. So that guy um, made out really well. That guy also his the owner of the store's name's Mr. Radford. Uh, is always in a different disguise yes. for some reason. And they point that out. They're like, I think he might be in a witness protection program, but I can't prove it. But he's always in like – but his disguise is like – there's one where he's wearing like a se- – like he's like dressed up like Rip Taylor. He's got like a sequin sports coat and a crazy wig. Like that's not a disguise. You stand out. Like I would – you draw the eye. Also, like, you work at World of Stuff and we find you we there know, We know your name. We, find you, we know exactly where you are. Yeah, exactly. You're not – 
it's uh, uh, yeah, yeah. There's, but there's all, but there's a lot of like you talk about. He immediately redistributes the wealth. What he does is he gives the money. He buys like the two older kids sneakers and right. ice cream, and then there's girls, and he's getting the girls to buy stuff. And it, he's not spending any money really on himself. He bought a pair of sneakers. He buys like, some clothes. Yeah, he bought the kind but, with the, like bubble wrap and the heels or something like that. Yeah, there, yeah. It's like it's, it's, bubble it's Skywalker two with bubble heels or whatever, <laughs> uh, because his hang time isn't good. Oh, there's one point he's not where he, getting runs, air. he runs into the store and like jumps over a counter yeah, yeah, and yeah, lands. Yeah. And it's an impress, seriously it's impressive jump. It's in slow mo shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because just, it's because the shoes give him hang the time. The shoes give him so much um, hang time. This was the same a, year that like I think pumps came out, probably. So yeah, there, but there's another moment that is very Bernie where <laughs> he has to convince Marshall has to convince Simon to give the money back because he's, and he's like, why should I do that? You know, I, now I've got all these friends, and they're like, yeah. well, you don't have friends. You've got. Like they don't know his name, that's how he convinces them. Yeah. Uh, but there's, there's a line that Simon says. Uh, Marshall says to Simon, yeah. he says, "If you're rich, it's because someone else is poor." Bernie, 2016, motherfuckers, <laughs> feel the burn. That is some straight up class warfare shit right there in the middle of Indiana, which I really liked. The economics um, of this episode are fascinating, if you really think about it. And I actually like that the mom was, like, the first hint that we get that something's going wrong is that the mom was like, honey, did you spend $278 on yeah, something? Yeah, and he's, yeah, like, yeah. he's like, I don't know. And then she's like, well, overdrawn again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever, not going to investigate that further. Not going to look into that one yeah. bit. Mm-mm. Well, this is pre the days of, like, Someone stole your identity. Yeah. You know, like everything's debit card. So they probably just thought she's probably like, oh, I missed a check. Oh, it must have been that Tupperware. (laughs) Probably. She's probably still paying off that fucking Tupperware. (laughs) Um, But here's the most unbelievable part of the entire show. So they announced Town's Flat Broke. Mm -hmm. The next morning they go to the bank. There's just like police tape in front of it for Mm -hmm. some reason because all the money's missing. And there's two like beat cops with the head of the bank and Marshall's dad. The head of the bank is the guy who gave the speech earlier. Yes. And the cops go, uh, it doesn't look like you did. You stole anything, but we're gonna have to lock you up just in case. And the cops are like, yeah, of course. The bankers like, yeah, of yeah. course, I get that. Yeah. Uh, the, the dad who doesn't work for the bank, by the way, he's just an invi- like an inventor, an inventor of this ATM. He's like, here's the keys. You're in charge. I'll be in jail for a couple days. Bankers don't get arrested. <laughs> Certainly not cool with it. When they are, he's just like, yeah, of course you got. I get it. Perfectly reasonable. You got to lock me up for a few days. Look into this. You know, I, the one thing we haven't met in this town yet is a lawyer. So maybe that's why it was sort of like <laughs> swift justice. There's also something it does. That he's Marshall... treated like the drunk tank. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you stole all the money in the town. All Sleep. the people's, all of the money is Sleep gone. It off. Sleep it off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's also another thing that that uh, that Marshall says at one point. So Simon. It tells him, like, yeah, it's like, Marshall, like, where are you been getting all this money? Simon had to come up with a story that he got a better yeah. uh, 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 allowance from his dad. Now, here's something we haven't addressed and right. needs addressing. Yeah, this is, is the actual heart is of the episode. Simon's, uh, ha- like, home life. Uh, <coughs> we have yet to see his parents. We've heard mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. It is a nightmare hellscape for this child. Yes. Uh, he, like, so once... When he initially, when Marshall leaves him behind to go hang out with the older kids, he goes to go home, uh, but he doesn't because he hears his parents like having a fucking knockdown, drag out right. fight like through from the street. He hears them, right? And he's like, oh, fucking with my parents. Uh, so he goes, and that's when he first meets fucking goes to hang out with Wilson, right? Um, so he's got this horrible home life. There's another moment where he, where Marshall comes with a cake. For his birthday, because it's supposed to be Simon's birthday, and it's like a wedding cake, but it's like, oh, I got the cheapest one. I, I got the biggest yeah. one I can find for cheap. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he hears his mom and dad 
fighting. You hear the parents fighting in the background. And he's like, oh, I didn't know your mom and dad are home. And he's like, my mom's not home. So the dad's cheating on the mom loudly in the other room. There's all this throwaway. And it's just in the background, nothing comments. But, like... That's why Simon, like Simon, is so desperate for a friend that he's making friends with this ATM, and then also pretending that these people who are clearly just using him for his money are his friends. Yes. So it's kind of the heart of this episode is just in these throwaway moments, which is kind of an interesting like. And it's fascinating thing? because it actually they took the show actually took the time to explain why a nine year old would cling on to, to a, a for, friendly fourteen year old and right. continue to, for and sure. why that fourteen year old might using empathy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For continue sure. to allow the nine year old because. That is, it's not just a, oh, well, that happens, we're neighbors or whatever. It was like, no, there is a deep-seated need for this kid to be around healthy people. Right, right, right. That's dark. That's fucking super dark. Yeah. Uh, but there's, in a much lighter note that made me laugh, uh, there's a moment where, so Simon eventually tells Marshall what's going on. They go to they go to Wilson to meet Wilson. Wilson hands, he's like, and here's some for your friend, and gives yeah. Marshall 100 bucks. And Marshall's like, was telling him, hey, you can't, you know, that money's coming from somewhere, we can't do this, but then he gets the money, and he's like, I never held a hundred dollars in my hand before. <laughs> really? It's nineteen ninety one. Like this isn't the fucking seventeen hundreds where you buy a house and a cow and a wife for fucking twenty five dollars. Like you never held a hundred bucks? Well, never on a Christmas or a birthday did you save up your money and hold a hundred dollars? To be fair, his parents seem to be accidentally broke a lot. <laughs> there is <laughs> so some overdrawn just... accounts going on in that house. Yeah. Uh which okay, that and moment reminds me. Inventions thus far have been shitty. Have been pretty shitty. I don't know how one of them bankrupted a town because it was sad, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is not great for an invention. Uh, no. They. This is also a weird thing. <laughs> so they eventually. Re- okay, we got to give the money back, and they yeah. give the money back by making deposit envelopes for every individual person in the town, mm-hmm. and then putting it back into Wilson, at the, like depositing it at the ATM. Yeah. And when they go to Wilson, they're like, oh, what do you want to do? And he hits the deposit. He's like, oh, you made a mistake. You must mean a withdrawal. Right. And they're like, no, deposit. And they start feeding him in. He's like, oh. Like, the Wilson's like, why? Why are you doing this? Why are you hurting me like yeah. this? <laughs> I don't like, what? And, it, and then Simon's like, there's a thing where Simon goes like, you don't have to give me money. I'll just be your friend. Right. Which should be the fucking moral of this episode. No. Nope. He's Does like, no. Work. Doesn't work. The ATM, like, blows up. Yes. Like, the ATM, di- Wilson basically dies because they have to give him money back. And he doesn't, he can't understand, like, real relationships, I guess. Uh, Think about how Wilson is like an is. ATM that would buy, like, would use prostitutes. And it's like, <laughs> Wilson is the guy that goes to strip clubs. Wilson is the guy that goes to strip clubs and and thinks the strippers like him. You know oh what God. I mean? Wilson is a strip club ATM. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he was meant to be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. With $10 surcharge on withdrawals. The whole thing. The whole thing. I love that. I love that. Now I'm starting to like the episode because I'm thinking about it from Wilson's perspective. Sure. First of all, Wilson's the kind of ATM that would hire prostitutes as genius. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just weird. It's true, though. Yeah, yeah. But, like, okay, so his only, you know, as a person ish thing as a as a human ish being right with sentience with, there's with obvious with, yeah, sentience yeah. it's like this is at one way... point marshall's a dick marshall's like like simon's like oh he's like hurting his feelings and yeah. marshall's like oh he doesn't have feelings the machine he fucking clearly has feelings the whole thing is based on the fact that he has feelings he's right. sad and let's set aside <laughs> the fact dick. that his father apparently invented 
very yeah, extremely good artificial intelligence and managed to implement it in the one way that guaranteed he would never make a dollar from it. <laughs> very true. Even if the ATM worked, nobody would be impressed right. by an it's ATM. It's just a fucking ATM. It's yeah. like, all I needed to do was give you an amount and you G- give me the Give money. me my 20 bucks. Yeah, so, yeah. But from the point of view of this person, this ATM person, the only thing it has to give that doesn't have love, yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. have touch, except it's for its cold it's mannequin hand, which like falls off at some point. Yeah, yeah, it falls out of the truck when it's being driven away, and yeah. that's the thing that that's ends the thing up in the that goes locker. in the cabinet. The, yeah. the disembodied hand and of their f- dead Wilson. friend. <laughs> <laughs> All it has to give is money. So when it's given back, it feels mm. yeah, it feels completely invalidated. I'm like, oh, okay. There's there's so much. There's a lot of layers going on. So much layer to that. Uh, I enjoyed the shit out of this episode. I yeah. actually kind of enjoyed all three. I feel like. Talking about the second episode, I liked it more than I did watching it initially. The, it's the funniest episode. I don't know. Sure. I would agree with you. It's probably not the best in but terms of like... the, the jokiest It's one. the jokiest one, yeah. Um, I'm excited to see where this series goes. Yeah. Um, it gets it gets better. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm happy about that. As far as I remember. Uh, yeah. I, again, I remember... Like, I, I watched every episode of this when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I remember none of it. <laughs> I have not watched a frame of it since, and that's... 25 years 25 years ago so so i am very excited to see where this goes also there's another moment that i completely forgot about where uh the end you see the bank guy sweeping up and uh marshall says uh even though it was proven that the head of the bank had nothing to do with it the judge gave him a thousand hours community service just in case (laughs) what world is this where bankers have to be punished well, first off, we live in a world where bankers should be being punished yes. consistently, but they never are. And I like this sort of fantasy where I feel like this was a response to that savings and loan crisis. Right. Where they also – same thing with the, just with the fucking yep. big short uh, bubble we just experienced where they clearly were cheating and lying and stealing and nothing happened to any of them. That's what – this is like a, almost a response to well, that of like they need punishment. something did happen to that. They had to deregulate the fucking savings and loan industry. Exactly. But they also like the, – the individual the people The individual people did not punished. go to jail. But right. there was no too big to fail. All those right, SNLs right, right. Just, just went right under. For sure. Yeah. Which, for sure. But these – but nothing that happened to the bankers specifically. Like they didn't – those bankers didn't go to jail or punished. Maybe one or two of them did. But the same thing happened here. There was like two of ours that went to jail. Yeah. And, our I mean, generation. Well, and, this, and this, uh, this banker was punished for losing all the money. Yeah, <laughs> losing all the money. Right, but but it wasn't with the technology that. But shouldn't the dad be punished because he's the one who made the shitty fucking ATM? All the bank guy did was ha- was buy an ATM. Clearly, no lawyers around to litigate this case. Fair so enough. the cops, Calipoy. the cops' call was this was you were supposed to You're keep in the money of the bank. safe. You fucked up. Money's gone. Yeah. Your punishment is sleep it off. Sleep it off and then sweep up. And man. then sweep up. Yeah, yeah. He's like sitting He's got like the stick with the nail at the end. He's like poking up trash like a hobo. The justice system in this town is basically your mom. It's like <laughs> those are the kinds yeah, yeah, of yeah. you're grounded and, then, and now yeah, you're clean the yard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm enjoying this. I think these are going to be fun episodes. Yes. You got anything you want to plug? Uh, not right now. Uh, Twitter or anything? Sure. I'm on Twitter. Uh, M-L-L-E Karina C-A-R-I-N-E There you go Follow on Twitter I am at Well this will be out on Thursday If you're around I'm on a bunch of shows At South by Southwest I'm doing a live at midnight On Friday Which will be on Periscope You can watch the whole thing On Periscope Me, Doug Benson, Arnold Marin Uh, A bunch of shows at South by You can Google that shit Uh, In May No at the end of the week March 19th I am in Fayetteville, Arkansas At the West Casino and Siloam Hotel, I think. I don't know. The website, their Facebook ad literally said, like, 
Dan Headline, Dan Telfer, and local comedian and local funny man Chris Cubis hosts. And I'm like, motherfucker, I'm not. Whoa. You don't call me local in a town I don't live in. Like, I get that shit enough in Austin where I'm like, look, I've been on TV already, motherfuckers. Can I stop being a local comic for once in a town I don't fucking live in? Anyway, I'm mad. Uh, if you like the show, please uh, rate, review, mm-hmm. subscribe, all that shit on. I'm stealing that from other podcasts, but they say it and they're right. If you like us on iTunes, rate us, review us, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends, uh, watch four, five, and six, and we'll see you next week. Yep. One, two, three, four, everywhere, from wives and mothers everywhere, our goal has always been to see the freshness in forever, forever, for any dish that you prepare, for each and every meal, we have the perfect seal. The muffins that you make will still be fresh in early May. Your coffee cake, your cinnamon ring will last at least until next spring. It works on almost everything. Forever.